Hello, my name is Dennis Tan. I'm uh, the CEO and founder of Dashmart. I'm looking forward to recording a session with the App Guy. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. This is my 481st episode. It's the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. And this is a chat with a top top influencer. He is Martin Davis, uh, the program director behind Ignite, and that is Europe's number one angel-led accelerator network. This guy lives and breathes startups. He has some of the best advice that I've had on this entire podcast. Wonderful chat with uh, Martin. But before I start the episode, let me first of all thank my sponsors, TopTal. TopTal is a marketplace for the top developers and top designers. So to get a no-risk trial period of up to two weeks with the top 3% of developers and designers in the world, visit toptal.com forward slash pool. toptal.com forward slash pool. And thank you to TopTal for supporting this episode. GummyCube. GummyCube are dedicated to helping your mobile app find its audience. So for the world's best app store optimization and pulling data that you need from the app stores, then go to GummyCube.com. That's G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E, GummyCube.com. Hey, thanks, GummyCube, for sponsoring this episode. And by the way, if you have left me a five-star review on the Apple's podcasting app, then I will be reading these out at the end of the episode. Over the last half a year, I've had some of the most amazing reviews. So uh, do listen out if you want to mention. And if you haven't left me a review, what are you waiting for? So let's jump into the episode then with Martin Davis of Ignite. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host. It's Paul Kemp. This is the show where we go around the world and meet with the best uh, in startup, the best uh, leaders in um, startups and accelerators. And uh, we've had uh, a number of different companies on this show before, uh, including Leaf.fm. And I have the advisor to Leaf.fm, but also he is the program director for Ignite. Ignite is Europe's number one angel-led accelerator network. We're going to find out all about startups. Let me introduce Martin Davis. Martin, welcome to the App Guide podcast. Thank you, Paul. Good to be here. Good, good to have you on. Uh, now, you've got such a wealth of knowledge. So um, I guess we could start with um, finding out what Ignite is, first of all. What are you doing at Ignite? Sure. So uh, as you said in the intro, Ignite is Europe's number one angel-backed accelerator program. Um, for those that aren't familiar with what an accelerator program is, it's a uh, Typically, a three-month-long program full-time for early-stage startups to go and join so they get a very intensive period of mentoring, support, additional services, commonly investment as well, so that they can focus solely on what it is that they're doing at that period of time for around about 14 weeks, typically, and really accelerate the growth of their product, the audience that they're getting their product out to, but also their own skills as founders. Um, what makes Ignite a little bit different to other accelerators is that angel-backed uh, status, which is that commonly accelerators are making investments into teams, um, and we do that as well. But the money that we are putting into them is coming from 
angel investors, high net worth individuals in the UK uh, that work very closely with the startup community and with the teams that they invest in. And from the beginning of any Ignite program, a team starts with a great set of angel investors just by being a part of the program. And those investors are there to support them through the program and also beyond um, in further financing rounds after that point as well. We started Ignite in uh, 2011, but we just turned five years old. And uh, at the start of this year, having up to that point only operated in Newcastle, we expanded our operation to launching programs in London, which ran at the beginning of this year, and also Manchester as well, which uh, the first program just completed uh, last week. Uh, that is wonderful. In fact, now it makes all sense. I had a, a chat with one of the companies that you advise, Leaf.fm, yeah. and the, fo- the founder was moving some from some exotic location to Newcastle, <laughs> which uh, I couldn't work out why at the time, but then uh, it's all become very apparent. So, M- Martin, um, in terms of startups, many people listening to this uh, are worried about um, giving away control to uh, investors. And uh, what's the, the? I guess what's the difference and, and the benefit of angels versus um, getting a loan from a bank or going to a VC fund? Well, I mean, lo- loans are loans at the end of the day. Whether you take them out for business or if you get them from startup loan companies, you have to you have to pay that back over a period of time, which if a company's making money may actually be a pretty decent way to go if they know that they can actually afford to do that. But typically technology startups at early stage are um, somewhat unpredictable. Uh, there are a significant amount of companies that, that do go on to fail. So actually if you've taken out a loan against that, then you're going to end up being liable for the repayments on it. Not everybody wants to take that risk. Um, The benefits of angel investors are many, I think, but it's commonly more than just capital. Um, The kinds of money you get from angel investors isn't huge amounts of money compared to, say, what you might be getting for venture capital. It's it's typically scale-up cash. So the kind of money that we talk about at Ignite is somewhere between 120 and 150,000 pounds that would come from angel investors typically, uh, usually a broad spread. Uh, of maybe kind of five to ten individuals uh, investing in any given company's financing round at that level, and the money's great. That's fine. That's useful. You need it to you know move forwards, and typically that would last between twelve and eighteen months, depending on where the company was located and what kind of business they were doing. But angel investors are savvy individuals that come from a place of experience. That's where the true benefit comes from. We work with angel investors that have fantastic backgrounds in entrepreneurship, in software development, in B2B sales, all kinds of additional experience that as a first-time founder, you can really start to take advantage of as kind of like a little bit of your own personal advisory um, masterclass. So if you choose the angel investors that you work with right, you actually end up with this wealth of additional information and support from your investors that can help take your business, help grow your business and provide you as a founder with a sounding board for making the decisions and hopefully keep everything on track. Yeah, yeah, because Martin um, often asked, uh, it's really challenging as a first time founder to connect with angels, get the warm introductions perhaps that could lead to investment, hence the reason to apply for your accelerator. But if I was... um, 
going to ask you, for anyone listening who's trying to get warm introductions, do you have any advice, uh, warm introductions to angels? Uh, yeah, I think the best thing to do is actually start to look around for angel investors that have got previous investments that you can find out about. Um, you want to make sure that the kind of stuff that they're doing is somewhat um, in the space that you're in. So, I mean, there's no point. If you're a fashion tech startup, there's no point really going to an angel investor that, looking at their portfolio, has seemingly only invested in software as a service companies that are typically business-to-business -business oriented. Chances are that isn't going to be a great fit. So you've got to make sure that you're actually targeting the right people in the first place. And then, really, it's a case of... I would say that one of the best ways to do it is actually go to some of their portfolio companies and start talking to them first um, because founders like to talk to each other. Founders commonly like to help each other. And you, you go to them and start talking to them, at some point you'll be able to get a warm introduction to maybe some of the people that invested in some of their rounds. And this information you can get from LinkedIn, you can get it from AngelList, you can find it on sites like F6S. Um, if you're willing to do a little bit more digging, you can use stuff like Mattermark to find out this kind of information. But really, you've got to try to put yourself in a position where you are connected in some way with someone that's connected to them in order to get that warm intro. Now, warm intros are good, but they are tougher to get. Cold introductions are not terrible um, if they're done right. And one of the things that we help teams get prepped for is actually making sure that they've got all of the materials that they would need to actually reach out to people somewhat cold or cold and actually be presenting them with a pretty decent argument about why that conversation should continue. Excellent, excellent advice. And uh, I mean, the uh, challenge I think that many of the Appster tribe listening to this is also uh, building a team. And uh, you talked about accelerators being great places to uh, tap into resources. Uh, ha any advice for anyone who has to build out a tech team? Because often first-time founders may not have the technical prowess to build an app or um, you know, have the technical ability to do it. So any, any advice for us on building out teams? Yeah, I mean, the biggest question I think I get asked um, on an almost daily, if not multiple times a day, um, is how do I find the technical part of this? How do I find the technical co-founder? How do I get someone to build this? Where's that person going to come from? And commonly my response to that is actually to find listen out... Listen to the App Guy podcast. Listen to the App Guy <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah. and uh, we, we get that question as well quite a lot. I mean, it's, it's super common, and it's because it's, if you don't come from a technical background, it's very difficult to understand exactly what your needs are. And if you don't know what your needs are, it's difficult to translate that into a person. And if you can't translate it into a person, it's tough to go and look for that person. But one of the things I think about early stage founders is that commonly when we're seeing them sometimes at things like our open office hours or when we're working on our pre-accelerator programs or we're mentoring elsewhere, um, or just having conversations with people is that they've commonly not really validated their idea enough to be moving forward with product in the first place. And if they're coming and asking about it, it's because they've kind of got a bit bored with where they are and they want to actually see this as a reality and they want to take something, build it and put it in front of people. More often than not, 
that would be a mistake anyway, because what they're going to build at that point is probably not as validated as it needs to be, meaning they're going to go down a route of finding someone to build it, spending money maybe getting someone to build it, spending money on outsourcing potentially to build a product that may not necessarily be right and may not necessarily work. So we do try to encourage founders as much as possible to go in and use the tools that are available out there to validate the end-to-end assumption of what you're doing, right? Does your solution actually solve the problem? Have you actually got the right solution for this problem? And once they get past the extensively talking to people element, we would encourage them to say, look, right, how can you put together using tools that are commonly freely available, and I'll name some of them in a second, um, to put together a version of this that proves that people are going to actually perform an action, do something, purchase something that solves a pain point or a problem for them. It doesn't have to be what you envisage the end product actually being, but you do have to put together some kind of step-by-step product that people will go through in order to say, yeah, this is right, this is where it's going, and then get feedback from the people that use that early version. Now, commonly, that is, people will go, oh yeah, I wanna do this mobile app, and it's like, well, that's one of the hardest things to get together, because finding mobile developers is really tough. Um, Then they'll step it back and be like, okay, well, about doing a web version of it, and say, okay, well, maybe a little bit easier. If you can throw together a landing page and start driving traffic to that, you can test your messaging. If you can then start adding in uh, that functionality to, if people give you an email address, if you can start to give them some semblance of the value of your product in just email form to start with and see what their response is to that, then that's all good. And you could do this using services like landing page, Squarespace. Um, You can connect it up with services like Zapier, which is a tool that even now I use on a day-to-day basis to send stuff to other stuff without writing, having to write any code whatsoever. It's a fantastic tool. Services like MailChimp and SendGrid make it now easier than it's ever been for people who are non-technical to send both transactional and marketing emails. Uh, if you need hosting, that's available and it's easier than ever to actually use that stuff. If you use hosted services like Squarespace, you don't even need to worry about that kind of thing. All of this stuff can be tested. You can test user flow, you can test journeys, you can make as many mock-ups as you want using stuff like Marvel app or Envision um, and actually put that in front of people and have it feel very much like a product. But commonly people don't do any of this. They go from, I validated my idea by talking to some people and now I want to build it. And I think that commonly they get to the building part too quickly. Now, the sort of looping back around point of what I'm really saying is, if you're going to go out and try and find a technical co-founder or someone to build something for you, if you can go to them with an example app that you built, no matter how bad it looks or how strung together behind the scenes it might be, it doesn't matter. If it proves the end-to-end, then you're going to have a much better time convincing people to come and work with you. If you've got a small audience that you've built up that you have that you can talk to about proving this and actually having there as your early beta testers, you're going to find it much easier to have conversations with technical folks about coming on board and jumping on board your journey. Really, it's a case of if you can power through as much as possible as a non-technical founder and get so close to the end product that there really isn't anything bad about what you're going to build, you will be able to pull people on board much, much easier. 
The hard conversations happen when it's too fluffy, when there's not enough information. And commonly people go up to people and say, are you technical? Great. Here's this thing I'm doing. What do you think? Do you want to work on it? That's not enough for a lot of people. They need to see the process that you've gone through, how committed you might be to actually doing this, what the users have been like when they've been interacting with any earlier versions you might have built. What does it look like in actual app form? Have you used something like Envision or Marvel app to construct a journey, a user flow that someone can actually go down? Can they play with that? Can they get an idea about what it is you're working on? If you need them to buy into this vision, you need to actually have done more by the time you go out and talk to these people. Martin, that is great, great, absolutely great. I'm just uh, honestly, unbelievably, uh, that dovetails my last episode uh, where the founder found his technical co-founder because of doing all that stuff you've just mentioned. So it's so important. Excellent. That's great. Well, look, I love consistency. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, that's one of the the best um, descriptions I've heard in terms of like how how to avoid losing too much money and and, and having a success, uh, which is what the show is all about. So I hope you're enjoying this episode with Martin Davis. Hey, let me take a moment to thank my sponsors. These guys are great because they're helping us keep this content free. So first is TopTal. TopTal is a network of the best developers and designers. And if you're looking for a great developer for your project, for your company, just avoid all the frustrations of hiring them. I mean, you have to go to through HR, you have to do lots of interviews. It could be two or three months until you maybe even get uh, a developer who, hey, maybe even turned down your offer. You don't know. Just go straight to TopTal. It means that you can be working with a great developer within the first two weeks. Uh, you'll be seeing profiles within 24 hours. Uh, there's two things that are important about TopTal that I want to talk about in this episode. Uh, the cost savings and the flexibility. So first, the cost savings. The TopTal developers have to go through a very rigorous screening process. It makes sure that they're speaking good English. It makes sure that they understand algorithms. In fact, it's incredibly tough. I mean, it's uh, only 3% of developers actually get through the screening process. Now, because they've worked really hard to get there, these individuals are able to leverage their time much more effectively and therefore they're able to charge very reasonable rates because they're not spending 50% of their time blogging about what they do or marketing about what they do or actually going on to podcasts and talking about what they do. They don't have to do all that. They can just get into juicy projects. They've got all the work coming through TopTal and it means that then they can reduce their cost. So you get great developers at a great cost. Uh, the second thing then is flexibility and working through someone at TopTal. It's like working with somebody as part of your core team. You can work with them on a full-time, part-time or even an hourly basis. Uh, you can increase or decrease your level of engagement with those uh, individuals. And you might even just work with them for two weeks, two months, or some of the clients have worked with them for two years plus. It, it really is uh, simple. So to get a two-week trial, go to toptal.com forward slash pool, all lowercase, toptal.com forward slash pool, and you'll be able to chat with someone almost immediately. Thank you, TopTal, for supporting this episode. GummyCube. GummyCube is the end-to-end solution for mobile marketing and app store optimization, otherwise known as ASO. They have many popular services and you can learn more by going to gummycube.com. Here's some keyword optimization, app reviews and ratings, focus group and analytics software. So keyword optimization optimizes your title description metadata for your app. 
it helps improve your search ranking. And we know that search ranking is incredibly important on the App Store. It's where most people find their apps, right? Uh, app reviews and ratings. This is getting exposure to real users, real reviews, real ratings. Uh, focus group, creative optimization, icon screenshots and videos uh, that are assessed by a focus group and anal analytics software keywords, competition, trends, automation, reporting, and more. Uh, so really great services from GummyCube. They do so much. I uh, do highly recommend if you haven't yet, just go and check them out. And if you need an intro to the founder, then I'd be happy to do that as well. So that's GummyCube.com. And thank you to GummyCube for supporting this episode. So let's jump back into the episode with Martin Davis. Um, M Martin, finally, um, just, just before we do say goodbye to you, uh, is that... Uh, I would love to know the types of people that are attracted to uh, starting a company, becoming um, a founder, going it through the accelerator, because what we've learned on the show is it's not an easy route. It does get glamorized in the um, tech press. And, you know, you read about these 18 year olds getting an, a, an app empire and, and, and selling out for billions to Facebook. But I just wondered, are you able to give a description of the types of people that tend to be attracted to life as a founder? Uh, it's, it's, I'd say that it's really varied, but there are a few sort of commonalities that are popping up at the moment, I think. Um, it, the, the, the overly ambitious uh, tend to come to mind. People that would be frustrated in a more, I guess, typically nine-to-five office-based environment where they are not necessarily in control of every single aspect of what goes on day to day. Um, founding your own thing generally comes from that basis of, I've tried other stuff, it doesn't work and fit into my life quite as much as I want it to, I'm going to do my own thing so that then I can be very much in control of my own destiny. Um, and that can happen at any point in anyone's career. I mean, I've seen founders you know, make this switch from having spent 25, 30 years working in various different companies and then decided at that point that was when they were going to go and do their startup. I've also seen, and this has increased recently, uh, graduates that would have typically gone down the finished university, go straight into consultancy route, uh, moving into startup life much, much earlier um, because what they realise is actually that they would rather do their own thing and they're going to take that opportunity to do it. And KPMG and Deloitte and McKinsey, they're always going to be there if they need them. So why not give it a shot, first of all? And actually, if they're going to do that and they've been out and tried to do their own company, chances are those consulting companies will be even more interested after that point. So it's kind of a win-win at that stage. But yeah, typically, it's people that, that, that strive for control. I know that for me, you know, when I went on this journey, it was very much that, uh, you know, I worked for various different businesses. I had various different great jobs at various great companies and they were all fantastic, but it felt like they were all leading towards one point, which was me doing my own thing. And, and when I did it, it became somewhat of an addiction. And now I, I have to have a huge level of autonomy in everything that I'm doing. Otherwise it just doesn't feel right. And I think that's the thing for a lot of founders is they, they need that autonomous feeling otherwise there's just something that's kind of always tugging at them um which is why i think they typically go down the route of doing this yeah martin i mean the reason i set this podcast up was because i uh wanted to have 
a lifestyle of working for myself and uh, I'm now 3,660 days without a boss, uh, boss free and uh, it feels uh, great to have this as a, uh, the option but uh, of course it's not for everyone so we try to get to the genuine uh, answer on um, that that so martin how best can people um connect with you there will be full show notes episode 481 uh just go to the appguy.co that's the appguy.co and search for martin davis but martin how best can people reach out and connect with you there are a number of different ways. Uh, I'm pretty reachable on Twitter. Um, I'm at Martin D. Uh, Martin spelt with a Y, not an I. And uh, my DMs are open on there. They have been for a while. Actually, it's, you know, if you wanted to just hit me up with a message, then that would be a great way of doing it. Um, or head to ignite.io, which is our main website. There you can find contact details, uh, further information about our programs and what it is that we do. But also you can find a link through to our weekly open office hours, which we do for any um, early stage founders that want to come and have a conversation in London or Manchester or Newcastle um, on a weekly basis. And uh, they're pretty popular. You do need to get in there and book uh, kind of early, but they are well worth it. And every Friday I sit down with founders and have a chat. So that is another way of doing it as well. But any and all social channels or come see me in person via office hours, I'd be more than happy to have a chat. Well, well, Martin, thanks for sharing uh, Ignite with us and your journey and uh, coming on the App Guide podcast and, and all the best for the future. Thank you very much, Paul. Great talking with you. So it's been a while since I've done this. I want to thank a lot of the people who have left me reviews recently. Let me read some of these out for you. Uh, amazing podcast, A++++. This is one of my fave podcasts to listen to. I highly recommend it. Paul in the App Guide podcast for anyone into app or the tech space. Amazing guests that really give you insights as well as all-rounded appreneurs. Thank you very much uh, in the US to TV Producer 7. Great podcast for any app developer from Germany. Thanks, Paul, for great interviews and podcasts. Always very interesting guests and inspiration. Must listen for any app developer. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. So time for me to think about business, says uh, Ganiman Patagonia from the UK. And uh, he, he says, uh, I developed a free, phys- f- a free philosophical puzzle game for mobile and uh, named Sarah and Death. Uh, one day, actually, I've just learned that Sarah, I don't think the, in the US you say Sarah, you say Sarah, don't you? So, um, but we say Sarah anyway. One day, a friend uh, linked me this podcast and uh, I learned about it. And every time I listen, I learn something new. Next time I'll have a good product, uh, I will know uh, what to do on the business side. Thank you very much. Uh, great, great app, by the way, uh, Sarah and Death. Uh, great podcast in Germany. Um, by Tata99. A great podcast. This podcast is a huge motivation for me. Huge motivation. This really is great. Um, hopefully, if you haven't left a review, preferably five stars, then you should do by now. Um, join the gang. Uh, this is Lebanon, one of my favorite podcasts. Um, if you are looking for a podcast that talks about apps and products, uh, Paul is the go-to guy. Uh, I've been listening to the app guy now for months, especially uh, when I commute to work to discover new apps and hear the real story behind the launch and their successes. What I also like about the uh, the show is the background to diversity. Um, the I guess it's the background of diversity of the guests. It ranges from the big guys uh, on top uh, to the hustlers who are trying to make it in a competitive market. 
Paul has a warm approach in his conversations and genuinely, genuinely tries to help out as, as, in any way possible. Uh, this is what makes his podcast a real pleasure to listen to, different from the rest of the scripted ones. Oh, I highly recommend it. You know, I really try hard not to be scripted. Uh, in the UK, liking the interviews. Uh, thanks for the great stuff. Please keep it going, Danny Loney. And I uh, love it, uh, says uh, Shanank in uh, the US. As someone who works in the tech industry, this podcast is a gem. Uh, always inspirational, uh, says someone in the Netherlands. Hans van Gent. Oh, Hans van Gent. Uh, my good friend Hans, actually. Uh, uh, over the last year, I've been enjoying the world of podcasts more and more. And um, one of the big reasons is that uh, this podcast from Paul Kemp, he's got amazing uh, guests. He's got an amazing voice to listen to. And the guests he gets behind the microphone are always uh, inspirational. Keep up the good work, Paul. Thank you very much. Uh, e excellent podcast, uh, says Robert uh, OSTM. Uh, excellent. This is the podcast, period. Keep up the great work, Paul. I am working on a new app and the info I find here, you can't find anywhere else. Great guests, great hosts, and even great sponsors. Have learned a ton and will be here for the long run. Cheers. Well, cheers to you as well. Cheers to you. Paul, you are the best. I discovered Paul when Umano was live. Paul educates app entrepreneurs by giving them real perspective through his interviews uh, with, with his guests on the show. Keep up uh, the good work, Paul. Um, we love you. Oh, man, I love you too. Red Rocket, US. Um, so uh, there's some of uh, the uh, reviews. Uh, I um, do like to read the reviews, look at them. Please do leave me a review. Go to your podcasting app, preferably the Apple one. That's the most popular one. And uh, just hit that review button. Um, thanks very much for listening to that. And I uh, look forward to inspiring you and uh, delivering some more uh, guests to you in the near future. Bye for now.